We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Lucky Lefty is on CFB Nation, presented by Twisted T. Yo, what is it? Wednesday? I'm losing track, man, with all these holidays. Happy Wednesday, Lucky Lefty Podcast, January the 3rd, 2024. I have to get used to saying 2024, too. They've been calling it the KB24 for Kobe. (laughs) I can rock with that. I can rock with that. Luke the Bean, Lucky Lefty Podcast, and Nora Boys in the Building, brought to you by Nora Whiskey. AnoraWhiskey.com, that premium American whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com. And if you drink, by all means, make sure you do so. Responsibly. We got to do it responsibly. Also, we reside CFB Nation, and we're presented by Twisted That's right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's a new harmony in 2024. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, audio edibles each and every day. Lucky Lucky Podcast. You already know. We finished. I'm sitting here and left. You know how I am, man. I just like to throw alley-oops. Shout out to John Morant for catching Wimby Yama last night. We love to see it. He called him. But the, I, I appreciate Wimby. He, Wimby going to contest. Oh, yeah. He going to contest. He ain't, you know, he looking to block things. He ain't playing. It makes the game better. Like, you get me, I get you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because he blocked a layup Jaw had early in the first quarter. But like the thing is, Wimby and Yai can shoot, and I don't think Ja can block that shot. I don't think anybody can block that shot he got. No, no. <laughs> He's 7-3. No. <laughs> they got another Frenchman, Alex Alexar. Champagne or something like that? Yeah, he finna, hey, he finna be the next one. He's 7-2. Yeah. We got the Rudy Gobert athletes coming out now. The Rudy Gobert athletes. I don't think they will. I know they're Frenchmen, but they don't want to be compared to Rudy Gobert. That chokehold changed his whole perception. Changed his whole perception, for sure. The Draymond chokehold changed his whole perception. We're going to get to the biggest questions for Notre Dame going into the offseason. The biggest questions for Notre Dame going into the offseason. You can still vote. YouTube, Lucky Lucky Podcast, for the Lefty Awards. That is Coach of the Year, Freshman of the Year, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year. 
biggest story of the year. You can vote for all the categories. The fans wanted to vote, you have it. Voting ends at 11 a.m. on Friday, and we'll give the results on Friday's show. That's right. It's uh, some pretty interesting votes, man. I can tell you the most shocking, the worst loss of the year voting is shocking. Because right now, I think Ohio State is running third. People are really upset about the Clemson and Louisville losses. Yeah, the, the Louisville losses is just one of those inexcusable ones. Ohio State loss is more disheartening because we mm -hmm. felt like we could have had it. And Clemson is just unacceptable. So, so Clemson might just be the biggest letdown. Yeah. Because all the gas is out the tank at that point. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. See, I'm I'm inspired, man, watching Lil Left in the back, bro. That's right. It looked like he was getting ready to doze off a little bit. Yeah, yeah, you know that car rides putting down. And so, yeah, yeah, my father used to drive me around the block to make me go to sleep, as my parents tell me, right? <laughs> so car rides are amazing when it comes to, like, putting kids to sleep but like what's what's your favorite place to take a nap dude i promise you i have the weirdest place to take a nap it's, it's crazy i fall asleep easier sitting down on the couch than i do laying down on the, in the bed like if i or sitting anywhere if i'm sitting anywhere and it's quiet and the seat comfy enough i fall asleep faster sitting sitting up than i do fall uh laying down falling asleep this is gonna drive you crazy, though. Or you think you're gonna think I'm crazy. I fall asleep on the floor, though. On the floor? <laughs> but dude, my wife will tell you, man. How do you I, I will how do I'm you dangerous, bro? Because when I get sleepy, I have no control. Like <laughs> I'm gone. Like I'm gone. I don't care. I'm I could be at somebody else's house. Wherever I'm at. When it hits me, it's a wrap. The floor, how do you get to the floor though? though? That's a, 
You had to take Bro. a knee first, and then <laughs> like literally, the workout room that I have is carpet. Oh yeah, sometimes right? that carpet real nice. And the carpet in my daughter's room is like super plush. Yeah. Bro, yeah. I would just go in there and I start by laying on my back on a pillow and I'm like looking at the big screen. And then all of a sudden I just <laughs> turn over on my side. And next thing you know, I wake up an hour later. Like, yo, that was That's good. Right. That was a good That's night. That's right. That was I night. usually uh I usually uh <laughs> It's always when you get the comfiness. And I only hit the, the floor when like my back's hurt. I think mm. when your back hurt and you lay down on the floor, it's always the best move to go to for sure. Yo, I ran into some former hockey players last night left. You talk about professional athletes that are in bad shape. Because football players always get mentioned. Man, these dudes are <laughs> These dudes were walking like thesaws, like literally just. And it was funny, man. But yeah, LL Nation, let us know. What's your favorite place to take a nap during the day? Your favorite place to take a nap during the day. And go vote for the Lefty Awards. YouTube, subscribe, share, hit the notification bell. Let everybody know. The thumbs up, smash it for us. It's the Lucky Lefty Podcast. We spend it different. Yes, Ron Tuck, you are right about your boy SD2 Mikes. I sleep like, man, I sleep very quietly, man. Like, they have to come check on me. Like, yo, is this dude all right? Let's get to it. Lucky Lefty Podcast. Um. Off-season question number one, biggest question. What is the marriage of Riley Leonard and Mike Denbrock going to produce? That's the biggest question. And we say that because, look, there's a new system being installed, right? Mike Denbrock is going to come That's in. Right. Install his system. So that means the whole entire team is learning on the fly. Yeah, everybody's rookies. Yeah. In a sense. Is that do you think that makes everyone feel like they're on an even playing field as far as competition? Quarterback wise, yes. I think it uh it's the reason why it's hard for a one-year offense to be as successful as a two-year. So, yeah, in that aspect, it's hard. But for everybody else, it, it really goes off of the pace of the quarterback. Quarterback comes in, like, for instance, a Cam Newton. Whatever offense he got coming in, guys are going to do well off of that because Cam did well in that offense. The same thing for guys like Jameis Winston. His first time starting, guys end up benefiting off of it because he was comfortable. Joe Burrow, you see the natural Joe Burrow progression. The first year was it was all right. You know, he still had Jamar Chase, still had Justin Jefferson. But that next year when he got really comfortable in that offense, the quarterback, knowing his checks, knowing his go-tos, knowing his players well enough, that second year, you would have thought, you know, drastic differences. But really, he just got more confidence. So it's really how fast can Riley 
get comfortable and how much mm-hmm. support and chemistry does Denbrock have with him. Then I think, you know, Chris Mitchell, look, he's going to be open. That's just mm-hmm. what it is. So it's just a matter of can Riley find him enough and trusted enough to give him the football because Denbrock is going to call a bunch of those plays for Chris Mitchell in my opinion. It is vitally important that Mike Denbrock surveys the scene, right? Don't you think the first thing Mike Denbrock is probably going to do is watch film? Before he installs, he's going to identify. Let me identify who we're going to get the ball to. And of course, he wants to see it for himself once spring practice starts, right? Yeah, I, honestly, I don't know how long he'll watch tape because I mean, you don't have to, you don't have to watch real long to know what we do and don't have. Plus, the the style of offense that we ran last year, I don't think that uh, Coach Denbrock's going to take too much from just because of the the focus of the team was through Aldrick and then not having Sam. So that's a whole another method of going about setting up plays and calling different things. So I think from a opponent standpoint, when he's game planning lightly against some of the guys we play next year from last year, I think uh, that's what he'll be looking for. But right now I think his biggest bet is just to get on point with getting all his stuff in place, <laughs> making sure all his, his uh, transition is just right. And then to be able to, um, have a nice uh, structure or a plan for when guys start in the spring. You want to be organized. So his biggest thing is organization. Lucky Lefty Podcast, man. It is amazing when you and Cam McDaniel talked about the ability of Mike Denbrock to literally form fit the offense around the talent on the roster and the talent on the offense. It has to make Notre Dame fans feel very inspired about what they could be watching, right? And we went over this yesterday. We compared Notre Dame to Washington, right? And, you know, Notre Dame broke records offensively, did things offensively that were great. But then you go to the Clemson game. Womp. You go to the Duke game. Womp. Go to the Ohio State game. Womp. Right? You go over to Washington and you look at their early schedule, Michigan State, Fresno State, Boise State, and it's like, oh, 59, 47. Oh, okay, cool. Like, their offense is pretty good. The difference is, is once they got to Oregon, 38. Oregon again, 34. USC, 57. It's like in the big games, the same offense showed up. Yeah, every team is going to have a couple games where they struggle. They struggled against Arizona State. They struggled in torrential downpours against uh, Washington State and Oregon State. But in the big games against Utah, 30 points. That's when you prove yourself as an offense, right? And that's when Mike Denbrock and Riley Leonard are going to prove this, prove themselves. I'm not going to hold their feet to the fire week one. I'm not. I don't know how you feel about that, Left. Week one on the road, Texas A&M. I don't know. I'm cool if they beat Texas A&M 21 to 17. 23 to 17. I'm not. 
I don't need 35, 40 points. I, I expect Not the that first to be a game. Tough, yeah, I expect that to be a tough atmosphere. I really do. Now, the last week of September against Louisville revenge game at home. I expect I expect 30, 40 points. Yeah, there's definitely a grace period. First couple uh games of the season just due to circumstances like I didn't expect us to put 50 the first game when we had uh, maybe due to all the including I, factors. I tried, I tried to tell you. I tried to warn you. Left, like you being a little disrespectful, bro. I mean, it's just starting off to see now. I don't think it'll be 50 in this first game. I think Texas A&M going is going to mean a little bit more to them. But. I mean, you get, I mean, you maybe Texas A&M, Mike Elko defensively. Uh, of course. I mean, I'm willing to take that bet that they won't score 50. But I think that I just want Riley to be consistent through the season in big moments. Can our offense trust the quarterback to put the ball in their hands in big moments? That's That's the – key to victory for me and Denbrock has obviously shown that he can do that Jaden Daniels had 200 rushing yards and 400 passing yards in one game so in terms of putting the ball in your playmakers hands Mike Denbrock knows at least he showed that he can do it mm -hmm. can he do it at Notre Dame that's been the biggest mystery since he left <laughs> seriously yeah. yeah well no because when we had Kyron that was the last time I felt like we were going to our playmakers early and often. Mm. I couldn't win without them type of deal. You know what, Left? I just want the consistency to show up in the big games. That's it. That's it. I'm not worried not about no, not against no Syracuse. No, no. Not against no Pitt where we score 180 points because it's it only worsens the the feeling yeah. when we crush these other teams and lose in these low score games against better teams. It's like something's got to add up. Either we lose in a high scoring game to a big team, or we should be sticking close to these teams we're blowing out. To not give the appearance as if we're better than what we show, you know. Lucky Lefty Podcast. We're talking about the biggest questions in going into the offseason that we have. And we want to know, what's your biggest question going into the offseason? Biggest question number two left is going to be the young, inexperienced offensive line. Yes. Um, plenty of talent. We feel like we saw enough at left tackle in the bowl game, but it is a small sample size for Charles Jaguar. Okay. But he's extremely talented. The battle at right tackle, I'm sure, is going to wage itself into the spring, all the way through spring practice and probably into fall practice. Uh, with Tosh Baker, and then you throw Emil Wagner and Gerby Lambert into the mix in the fall. That's something else. Ashton Craig, I think, has solidified himself as the starting center. Billy Shrouth is there, right guard. Pat Coogan is going to hold, have to hold off Sullivan Absher and Pendleton, in my opinion. Yeah. 
There's some young guys coming. And there's some guys coming in the, in the 24 class. So I hope Pat Coogan can step up because he was very inconsistent and probably was the most inconsistent in the Sun Bowl, which is crazy because he play, he's played the most snaps. That's right. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea and packs a powerful punch with 5% alcohol and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite team. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. What do you need to see? Because I already asked you about, you know, how tough is it going to be for Joe Rudolph to get the best five moving forward. For you, this offensive line, and I'll say this, Bluff. Someone put it in the chat, and I'm glad they did because it reminded me of this. Michael Penix is protected by the Joe Moore award-winning offensive line. There are no first or second round picks on that offensive line, Left, None. None. But they are locked in together. I think yeah. their starting center is 285 pounds, left. 285. Yeah. Hey, that was smallish 10 years ago. That's right. So what is it? Because everybody's talking about when the offensive line for Notre Dame, the young guys they have are bigger than what we're used to at Notre Dame. Size is good. Heck, Alabama averaged 330 and got their tails whooped all day. Yeah. By Michigan's defensive line. So, size is one thing, but I would much rather have a unit that's locked in and cohesive. And that's what Washington gives you. They don't have top talent, but yo, the way they work together, and please explain. The importance of the quarterback because like we said the ability of michael Penix to know what he's looking at pre-snap and to be able to communicate with that offensive line how that impacts how the offensive line can go into next season that's going to be something that's going to be very important for riley leonard or steve angeli as well yeah being able to operate is it's very crucial because you get the ball out of your hand fast so for a guy like Michael Penix, who's a generational talent, master of his offense, he's not holding on to the football like a Caleb Williams is. Yeah. So you're not putting your offensive line in a lot of bad positions 
because you're running around the pocket. Most times when you're watching Washington, it's snap, balls out, whatever. Mm. You just don't see them taking a bunch of sacks or even teams blitzing because other teams are so worried about if they don't get to the quarterback fast enough, they might be exposed on the outside. Yeah. So then if, if that's the case, they are usually in two high safeties and then they're running the football efficiently enough. So it keeps D linemen from pinning the ears back. Now teams got to every snap look and read. They're not just flying off the ball. So you're getting a lot of opportunity from a Washington offense when it's balanced. It helps the offensive line extremely. I kind of like that. Balance offensive play, offensive calls, make it a lot easier for the offensive line to block. So in your opinion, will that be one of the toughest things for Riley Leonard to adjust to in the offense? Or do you think that's something that's just comes either he knows and is good at pre-snap and making those adjustments? Because he's done it at Duke in a different system. Is it something, is that something or a skill set that transitions or transfers, shall I say, from system to system as a quarterback, your ability to read pre-snap and adjust things? Well, we saw the difference in a guy that was very well decorated, not operate as smoothly as a guy that's been in the system. Sam didn't come in and make checks and go to the line and change protections or none of that. So Steve did, but that's because Steve was more comfortable in that system. Riley Leonard's game is a little more um, chaotic. You know, he's running the football, he's extending the play. He was the best player on his team before. So him adjusting to working from what the offense and defense is giving you, that'll be an adjustment for him. So I do think it'll put a little more strain on the offensive line, just being able to hold up long enough for him to be able to make quicker decisions. So early on, I don't expect it to be the offensive line that we've looked at in the past just because they're getting used to the way their quarterback plays. They know how Steve plays, so it's a little bit better of a understanding. But they don't know how Riley Leonard plays. And watching film, he's a little all over the place. Shit, against us, he's taking huge sacks, holding the ball too long, running into sacks. So it's one of those things where the line's going to take a minute to adjust, mm-hmm. but the play calling has got to be to where Riley can operate efficiently and quickly enough so he's not holding on to the football, putting strain on that offensive line. Yeah, once again, either, whomever is playing quarterback is going to be behind a young, inexperienced offensive line to start the season, and we'll see how they develop. But that is the second biggest question going into the offseason right here on the Lucky Lefty Podcast. Third biggest question, the evolution of Marcus Freeman as a head coach. In your opinion, Left, Year three, what is the next step in the evolution of Marcus Freeman as a head coach? Because he's clearly established himself as a solid head coach, first-time head coach in a tough position at a big program. Yo, he's won 19 games his first two years. It's not up to the standard of Notre Dame, but that's, that's pretty good considering the position he was put in. And considering the fact that he had to work through a lot of red tape to finally get to a place where he has the guys on the staff that he actually wants as a head coach as well. So considering all that, what do you think is the next? Do you think this is an offseason where he finally says, 
okay, I finally got all my guys in place. How does that impact him as the head coach? And what's the next step for him going to the next level as a head coach? So we always talk about Ryan Day being born on third base. I think mm -hmm. Marcus Freeman was born on first. He got on base. I think he was still in the batter's box, Lev. You think he's in the batter's I think he was on first. I think we got him a good hit to get him on first. No, I think, man, with the way things went with Tommy getting signed before him and Andy Ludwig, I think I think he was he was down 0-2 in the count and, 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 <laughs> and, worked, and worked a nice hit back to get a walk. And that's how we got the first. That's how we got the first, Lev. I think he hit a he had a great double, but he ended up hitting it to Bo Bo Jackson in the outfield. And you know he got that cannon and he cut him off at second. That's he what pulled, I think. He happened. pulled up at first. He pulled up at first, tried to round it, and his and his and his coach said, No, slow down, stop, stop, stop. They got Bo Jackson with that cannon, he'll cut you off. And Tommy was that, that cut off. So he, that. he 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 got a good hit by getting the gig and inheriting a good program yeah, that was yeah. in good condition. Yeah. Good players. It wasn't like the cupboard was bare. So it was a nice potential double, but he hit it to that man out there that, that cut him off mm -hmm. with that Tommy Reese action and foolishness. So now I would hope in 23, he just rounds the base, get the third, maybe even steal second, right? Get a splash win. Mm. Splash wins are, are, are what Marcus is, is Freeman there, in this I, position I don't, is. I don't, know, I don't know if that splash win, looking at the schedule, left. I mean, what 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 would be the splash win on the schedule, left? There will always be one in season, like a Louisville team that we don't think is, think is pretty average. It's going to be above average by the time we get to them. Mm -hmm. You knew immediately that Ohio State was the splash win on last year's schedule. We knew that the year before. Marcus Freeman's splash wins are gonna come in the playoffs, but I, I okay. think that okay. but I think that um that's where he can quantify himself as a head coach. Cause I don't think in these first couple of years he even knows where he stands as a head coach at Notre Dame. Because mm. he's dealt with so much turnover, he's dealt with things that I'm sure he probably doesn't take full blame for. But when a playoff system where it's never happened before, he gets to run it for the first time, sees how it goes. I think this is where he can see where he lies on the coaching spectrum, which I think will make stronger for the identity of what he wants to do moving forward or even proving himself right that the culture he's building is on the right direction, especially offensively. I think one of the major steps is I want to see him in his in-game strategy. His knowledge of the offensive side, I want to see it step up a little bit. Reggie Burks pointed, pointed that out. I also want to see his game management and his time management step up. That's very important. I think he's shown himself very well multiple games in 2023, saving time at the end of the half to give his offense a chance to go down the field and put points on the board going into halftime. That's very important because the majority of the time, Notre Dame is getting a second-half kickoff, especially if they win, you know, the uh, the coin flip. They're going right. to defer to the second half. So you get points going into the half and they come out and score first drive of the second half. Now, you know, you're probably going to have a double-digit lead 
or cutting into a lead or getting back into a game and changing the whole trajectory of that game. So he's been pretty good at that. But that fourth quarter adjustment, that's when you make your hate, especially in big games, right? Because we right. saw we saw the poor start by Alabama. We saw Michigan adjust. We saw Alabama adjust in the third quarter. And then we saw Jim Harbaugh and Michigan adjust once again late in that game. So that's something that I want to see him take a major step in. Game yeah, maybe, yeah even maybe seeing, maybe even seeing him play from a lead in big games. Yeah, what's his management on that? Mm-hmm. What's his management on going into some away games like a Syracuse mm-hmm. and putting up those performances, but against a better team? I just think the respect and the mark of coaching is going to soar from his performances in the playoffs. So it's situational based. Obviously, you got to get to the playoffs, but I think that the team is recruited well enough, stacked well enough, coached by well enough coaches that we can auto drive ourselves into these playoffs. I uh, see Michael in the chat says that the splash win is getting into the playoffs. Nah, no, we have to disagree. That's not going to be good that, enough. This, for the this is Notre Dame, yeah, dude. It's We're getting to the playoffs is not good enough. We're that's not that's not they're, not, they're just not gonna give him a pass. No, they're not. Because they're gonna be like, they're you not. couldn't get in the top twelve. No. Because you gotta think after the top five or six teams, you really gotta really be like, okay, who who who'd you get in? It should be pretty easy. After the top six or seven, five or six teams, it's like we we really trying to get any. You gonna see some teams that you be like maybe got three losses. Yeah. Do you right? think you'll, you'll see a couple three loss teams in the back half of that twelve. And maybe, I don't think we are gonna lose three maybe. games this year. If it, if the expansion existed this year, there would not have been a three loss team in the twelve. No, it wouldn't have been a, not, the way not this year played out. Yeah, not this um, year. I will say this: 2022 Clemson could be viewed as his. Biggest win. That's the big. That's the splash win. Clemson was undefeated. Man, it's hard to think of splash wins when you lose the games that could have really made the impact, and then you lose games that really are embarrassing. You know, like so you splash wins see, come in moments of the season. Right. Right. Where you know, I think. Splash wins develop in the season where Louisville became a splash win for them. You know, I'm sure they didn't think they would be good enough to where at the time when we played them, where the the hype and everything was at, you know. So it's one of those things, man, I think Marcus Freeman should be looking forward to making his mark at Notre Dame through these playoffs because that's because I don't think doing it the model of how this year is going, he'll ever look better than Kelly. Right? Because Kelly has won the most games. Now in this playoff system where you it's a it's a chance to get in that tournament type of type of play. Now Marcus Freeman can separate himself from the Kelly era a lot better, a lot more distinctly. Because before, we're judging Marcus Freeman's performance 
off of what Kelly left off, which was pretty solid. I mean, the best you can really do is win a bunch of games and never win a championship. And if we kept this same type of style, Marcus Freeman was headed down the same road. Win a bunch of games and no championships. Now in this style, Marcus Freeman gets to stand alone and be like, okay, they can't say I'm like Brian Kelly because Brian Kelly didn't have to go through a 12-team playoff system. Now we judge a Marcus Freeman on his own, uh, his own standing. Now we can compare and contrast. Okay, well, Marcus Freeman's first three years in the playoff system, he only went to the second and third round. Now when we shop for head coaches or whatever, we shopping for that that fifth, sixth round or fourth, fifth round championship round coach. That That's a quantifier. So that's where I think Marcus Freeman can make his mark on Notre Dame is how many rounds you going in playoffs? Did you get the championship? Did you, you know, did you pull off some a crazy uh, underdog 10 seed and, 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 and get all the way to the last? You know, you can make narratives like that as a coach with this playoff style. Think about how hard it would be to identify the best basketball coaches in college basketball if we didn't have the March Madness tournament. Shaka Smart would have never got a job from VCU. Never got a job if he didn't do what he did in the tournament, right? So stuff like that. So I think this is where Marcus Freeman can equal the playing field with his comparison to Kelly because I just don't think he would have ever outdid that. One, I don't think Notre Dame would have ever allowed him, Marcus Freeman, to stay that long without winning championship. Secondly, winning a bunch of games and no championships have been done so much that it's like you're it's just almost a negative thing like ryan day not beating michigan but being like 40 and three is overshadowed by the team that he lost to three times which is crazy any other 40 and three coach in college football you got a statue outside but because of where he's at is graded a lot differently so think about it. Riley Leonard is, is praised up and down Durham, North Carolina for these mediocre seasons. He's going to have to do something he has never done to even be mentioned as qualified worthy at Notre Dame. Think about that. He ain't never did this before on top of the circumstances in the playoffs. It's a lot of, a lot of pressure that he knows and maybe some doesn't know of, right? So it's really about, for me, um, the excitement of the journey, but also how does Marcus Freeman navigate the ship in new waters? I, you know what? Hopefully he can be at the back of the ship like Jesus, sleep. And when the storm hits, he can wake up and tell the storm, peace be still. Hopefully he has that type of power next year at the toughest moments for his football team. That common effect to get them through the biggest games, the biggest storms, and the biggest moments. And that's one thing you can say. You can call Jim Harbaugh a cheater. You can call, say a lot of things about him. He seems to have a very common effect on his football team, along with his staff. And I can say the same thing about Kalen DeBoer and his staff as well. Heck, they set 
a record consecutive games winning games by less than 10 points especially against ranked opponents it's crazy the way they're getting it done and you know what the crazy thing is about washington there's a point in every game left where they have a chance to blow teams out it's the craziest thing about washington you go watch every game and there's a moment in that game they could have blown oregon out in the pac-12 championship game they blew them out in the second time they played them yeah they could have, and they allow Oregon to get back to the game. They they could have blown Texas clean out of that game. Yeah, I stopped watching that for a while because it was the gap was getting too wide. It was like fourteen with three minutes in the third left. You know, it is crazy, man. It's crazy, but that is number three on our list of the five biggest questions we had going into. The off season.